Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to another episode of Falcons Trench Talk here on the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. We're covering Atlanta's Week 13 victory over the New York Jets. Atlanta back to 6-6, six and six, took care of the Tim, po- Tim Boyle and then Trevor Simeon-led Jets. I don't know. I thought Trevor Simeon was going to come in and, and pull one of those things, but actually somehow he, he did look worse than Tim Boyle in his few snaps that he played. But uh, luckily we didn't have to deal with, with a crushing loss to the Jets like their four-string quarterback, Jordan, uh, <laughs> as, as we have the de- and we have the defensive line to thank for that in big part. Uh, first of all, before we dive into it, though, I want to welcome Jordan Watkins to the show. He's Epic 75 fella, co-host for Trench Talk. Jordan, how are we doing today? I always feel good after a win. And again, look, this is one of those games. I actually uh, made a what tweet post. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Uh, I made a comment about this uh, the other day saying, look, first off, we all know how good that Jets defense is. They, I, I really do think, you know, there's some people out there that look at their record, um, you know, now that they're four and eight and say they're kind of out of it. They still have a very good case for being the best defense in the NFL. Uh, I really do believe that now, of course, the record is what it is, is because their problems at quarterback and offensive line. But already I knew it was going to be a low-scoring game just because of how good that defense is. And then you add the weather on top of it. Um, it was just one of those, like, when, when I saw it was raining and, you know, it was kind of off and on most of the game, I already had it in my mind as a just whatever it takes. Just get out of this game with a win, right? Try to stay as healthy as possible. We know how bad MetLife has been in terms of taking bodies. Um, so get out of it as as healthy as you possibly can. Uh, get out of it with a win, because I've been in those games, right? Like I played, I've played in South Bend, Indiana, in November. I played up in Pullman, Washington, on Halloween night. Like I know how some of those games can go, mm-hmm. right? When the weather's not the best, and you know, going up against a stingy opponent. So I feel good. I feel good. Like we're, we we have a cushion now in this division, which is crazy, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we do. So I feel good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, you sort of take it, you, you know, I, and like Tim, I think we both expected the passing game to struggle because this is arguably yeah. the NFL's best pass defense. They have an elite pass rush. They have just a terrific trio of corners from the outside to the slot. Um, and they have good safeties. You know, I think their weakness is against the run and w- yeah. with their nose tackles out, you know, they, they have a lot of pass rush focus and that's sort of Robert Sala's ethos you know it's a similar thing to what we've seen like the the 49ers go with as well even though the 49ers Mm -hmm. have sort of overcome it because they just have so much talent but you know they they, I didn't have a problem like I wasn't surprised by the passing offense struggling I was surprised by sort of the the lack of emphasis on the run game (laughs) knowing you know I mean the Jets like it's a misleading stat the Jets are were 31st against the run and total rushing yardage allowed but if you look at their yards per carry they were like 19th they're not that bad against the run they're a little bit below average so they weren't going to be a pushover but they can they get worn down so this was the type of game I was like yeah we just need to commit to the run it might not be great right away but we just need to commit to it keep grinding and then by the end of the game I think we'll be able to to kind of do what we did against the Saints right and they just don't yeah, really yeah. ever commit to it throughout the entire game. Um, you know, there's a decent amount of carries in there, but they just didn't really commit to it. And they, they really kept trying to throw the ball and Ritter had a horrid overall day. He did have quite a few heaters. I mean, that, that pass to Michael Pruitt was outstanding. Um, he had, he had a great throw to Drake London. I mean, there, there were some very nice passes, but this is not the type of defense you want to put the ball in the air against just because they're so dangerous at getting the ball. But before we, we dive into that, I do real quick want to get to a word from our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Pay those folks. bills. Yeah, I got to pay them bills. Thank, thanks, BetOnline. Appreciate you. Uh, the holiday season, guys, is off and rolling with the NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info with up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. BetOnline is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. It's not just the big four sports either, folks. BetOnline has info available at your fingertips on both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that's played from MMA to international soccer. 
all of them. They're all there. Go check them out, guys. Whatever you're interested in, BetOnline's got you covered. So just head to that website, betonline.ag, today. And remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Jordan, we. A lot to cover in this one. The offense, definitely a harder watch. And again, I, I more disagreed with like the, the sort of game plan of lack of run emphasis as opposed to the actual. I mean, the execution was OK, I thought. I mean, I the tight ends really struggled to block uh, in this one. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the defense was much more positive. And I know you're a defense guy. So do you want to hit hit the high points first or do you want to, uh, you know, go, go off on the offense at this stage uh that's a good question uh i mean i'm i'm open either way i did want to say this real quick though because yeah, yeah. again, this is about bet online um you know i i know it's like almost kind of not fairish but still i need y'all to let me bet on this uh mlb the show team i've made because so i'm in a second uh if anyone has the show they have like this march to october mode mm-hmm. right where you just play key moments in the season so of course on the braves and this lineup that I have now in my starting rotation, oh my goodness, if I could bet on them, I, I would so do it. <laughs> like I have, so I got Shohei. Shohei's in Atlanta. Nice. Uh, I also got Ian Happ as an outfielder. Uh, and then even in my starting rotation, you know, I, I got, uh, what's his name? Dustin May, who's, you know, in, in, in LA. He's in there, of course. Like Shohei doesn't have the UCL injury in the rosters they have right now, so I can pitch with them. So this this team's kind of nasty. I wish I could bet on them too. Yeah, uh, but sounds, no, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. But yeah. No. I guess you know what? Let's. Hmm. Let's let's just start with the <laughs> offense. Might as well. Yeah. Might yeah. as well. I can't go off on Kyle Pitts this week. If they did target him, you know, they did play him a little bit outside. He was he, yeah. he beat he beat the hell out of DJ Reed on that one play and. You know, Ritter, uh, you know, airmailed the the hell out of it. Uh, but you know, <laughs> other than that, you know, a lot of people were like, "Oh, the CA pits isn't getting open." No, he's getting open. They just somehow we're still not able to hit him when he does get open. Yeah. But uh, can't complain about the Kyle Pitts uh, usage this week. They did they did definitely make uh, a concerted effort to get him the ball, and he made a number of great catches. Uh, so can't can't rail on that one. So we're gonna have to find something else to talk about. But uh, I mean, to me. It, it was more of a game plan issue. Like the execution on, on like by the tight ends was, was not great in this. I mean, it's, it's raining. You lose your footing. Sometimes it looks uglier than it is. I mean, it, it just is what it is out there sometimes. I mean, I, I think Parker has seen, you know, coming back from that injury, probably not a hundred percent. We know John who's more of a pass blocker and Kyle Pitts like probably shouldn't be asked to run block like 15 to 20 times a game i mean that's that's the one thing i will say and it just it doesn't go well it's just it's not really putting him in a good position none of the tight ends really had a good day but you know offensively we did have two guys that stood out uh chris lindstrom absolutely fantastic game uh 92 overall against one of the best defensive lines in football just great job uh can't and he's now officially taken over the number one spot on pff uh at guard as is his right um but Drew Dahlman, too, uh, you know, pass blocker, pretty average. But again, another elite run game from Drew Dahlman. And I know you have some words about Drew Dahlman that you'd like to share. Oh, you mean, you mean, I, but wait, it was Drew Dahlman's fault that he couldn't reach a two eye on a stretch play at the <laughs> two yard line. That that was on. How could he be rated that one, high? Once again, the game planning what? comes in. The what? play call oh comes goodness. into question. Yeah. No, no, but look, I, I do want to say this about Drew Dahlman, because I think for the most part, you know, and yes, I get it. That's my Stanford guy, right? And and you know, obviously, I know, yeah, he, hey, Stanford yeah. legend. Yeah, but no, I want to I want to say this too because look, I, I uh, on a serious note because I know, like, I know his sister Kate, right? And listen, if you know Kate, she is fiery, and especially when it comes to family, she's not going to hesitate to uh, support and back up her brother, especially her younger brother. Um, and now I know there's some people on Twitter, like there was this one dude, sorry, X, um, like when, <laughs> after that play happened where they got the safety, his first thought was where's Drew, Dahl- Drew Dahlman's sister. Like really dog, that's the first thing that comes to your mind is you want to call out a sister of someone like, of course, she's going to support her brother. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's family. I think all of us, like 
even if, and I'm not saying that she she has, but like even if, let's say, like you know, she's watching the game with her dad and her family. Because remember, her, her dad was like an all pro. Like, he was a good player in the '90s. Yeah. Um. So they might say something, right? It's like, oh, dang it, Drew, you missed this play. Dang it, Drew, snap was low a little bit here, you there, yada, yada. Okay, cool. Family can say that, but once it gets outside the family, it's like, okay, hold on, hold on. Now you can't do this, right? Like, I mean, we we critique this team all the time, but we do it because this is Falcons family. Now, all of a sudden, like if a Saints fan or you know someone on Saints, like in 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 the the Ludet Nation, well, we that first off, but anybody over there, they say something and they could say the exact same thing that we said, but it's just like, oh, hold on, hold, hold, nah, you can't, you can't say that, right? So again, I'm just saying this, I guess, is like my little PSA thing of like, it's just ridiculous how we have all these tough guy people on social media. They feel like they can say this, say that to whomever. I said, this is like, of course, the sister's going to be supportive and protective of her brother. Like, it, it's only right. It's what a sister's supposed to do. Yeah. Um, so sorry, I had to get on, you know, my little my little podium there for a second. But and and Drew with Drew Dahlman, again, I'm impressed with him because again, I've just seen consistent improvement from him, uh, and I think again, he's going to continue to get better. This is even what we saw at Stanford. He came in kind of light. And, you know, worked his way in the weight room, training table, you name it, to, you know, bulk up and, and really be a dude. Um, now, yes, I still, again, like I've always said, when he has size lined up right up against him, that's the one place and area I want to see him be better. But, you know, for the most part, the the snapping issue, you haven't really been able to say too much about that last few weeks. Yeah, recent weeks it's right? gotten cleaned um, up, yeah. So like he, that's what I'm saying. My point of like him improving and and being more comfortable there. So hopefully he continues to do that because the way it's looking right now with this progression, uh, you know, we're gonna have some questions on the offensive line the next few years, right? About maybe it's gonna be at left tackle just because Jake's getting older and you know we've seen him, you know, lose in a, in a, a little bit more frequently than maybe we have in the past. You know, obviously we've talked plenty about Caleb McGarry. I think, again, I still think Bergeron's going to be a dude. We already know Chris Lindstrom's a dude. But if you can get, if you have that answer at center, which is what is looking more and more likely like right now, that is huge. Yeah. Like that, that's really huge. I think about some of the centers that we've had on some really good Falcons teams as of late, right? Todd McClure, Alex Matt. Like if you can have a transition to to Drew Dolman being a guy that can be there for years to come, that is really huge for what this offense could potentially be. Um, so yeah, that, like I said, that, that's my, uh, my, my take on, on Drew Dahmer, but yeah, we do have to talk about this run game scheme and plan a, a good bit too. And I, and I know you, you've got some things to say about that too. Yeah. I mean, I, on the Drew Dahmer thing, it's like, I don't know what it is with, with fans sometimes that it's like, you can't just accept a good player. You have to have a great player or it's like, he sucks, you know? And, and this is, this isn't just Falcons fans. It's everybody. Like everybody yeah. does this. But I think people got so used to Alex Mack and Todd McClure and these guys that they forgot the years in between that they're like, these were actually bad. Like, oh, this was bad. Like, so getting getting up to to Drew Dahlman, who, you know, is he as good as like the number two center according to PFF? Probably not. That's probably a little bit. You know, he needs to be a better pass blocker before I would put him in like the Mount Rushmore of centers right now, which is what you would be if you were the number two yeah. center. Um, but. As a run blocker, I mean, I, th- he's clearly one of the best centers in the NFL, like at, at run blocking, and and that is no small feat, particularly in an offense like this that wants to run the ball, so th- or should want to run the ball at such a high rate. Um, so, it, and his pass blocking is fine; like it, it's not great, but it's fine, and it's in, in a lot of a lot of weeks it will be good. So, so if the snap issue is cleaned up, you know, you're you're really going to struggle to upgrade at center over Drew Dahlman, and it's just. Well- with so few resources, I can't believe people are like, let's spend a premium resource to go get a better center than Drew Dahlman. When it's like, you're going to get a center that's like 10% better than Drew Dahlman for premium resources. Like, it's it's not no, worth it. No, we're going it. to get it's Jason not, Kelsey. Yeah, we're going for we're, it. We're getting Jason he's Kelsey. He's going to retire, yeah, and then he's coming, he's coming over to us. Yeah, He wants <laughs> exactly. to get out of that trash team, the Eagles, you know. He wants to get out of there, I'm sure. So they're, Well, um, they've already put out the, uh, you know, I guess it's going to be the rumor, right? They're going to put Big Dom at center. Because yeah, he's gonna be a go. lot cheaper yeah. than Jason Kill, so that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> but no, I mean, here, here's the reality. Like, let's remember, he wasn't technically supposed to be a starter just a year ago. Like, it was gonna be Matt Hennessy. Hennessy gets hurt. Then, so now it's like Drew, it's, it, you gotta go. 
Now, on average, it takes about three years for an offensive lineman to truly develop in the league. And I know we live in this this uh, short-sighted world where it's like, hey, if you're not good right away, you're not this great player right away, then you know, you're a bust, you're a bum, we got to move on. But in the reality world of football, no, it takes time. Like, yeah, you have some of the genetic freaks and mutants that they can be good. You plug them in right away, and they're amazing. That's not the norm. That is not the norm in football, especially when it comes to the line of scrimmage. So, again, like, it's got to put some context in all of this. And like I said, I see a guy that I see if, has continuously gotten better. So, like, what, what, are we, what do we want to complain about here? Right. It, it's just, like, we have so many, like, fish to fry, like, this offseason. There's going to be, you know, we have to get an edge, and we, we probably are looking at a quarterback or, you know, potentially, I mean, I think it would be wise to get a, a, a tackle in here, not necessarily because we need him to start in 2024, but because, be like ready. you said, Matthews yeah. is getting older. It's, he's not old yet. Like, he's, he's probably got two to three years left at least. But, yep. like, you never know with guys. Sometimes they can just keep going. You know, look at, like, Jason Peters. That man's, like, 41 years old and still playing snaps. Now, you know, we're, away, we're like, 10 years away from that. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, if Matthews plays that long, then we're, we're set. But, you know, at this point, it's like you always want to be prepared. And we know that Caleb McGarry has his weaknesses. Like, he's yep. a good run blocker and he's a, a middling pass blocker. And sometimes we'll give you good games and sometimes we'll give you bad games. And it's not unreasonable to want to upgrade that. I think it's it's that spot is is more of a, a sensitive spot than Drew Dominant Center in my mind. So if you're going to invest in the offensive line, you're probably looking to get you know a, a developmental tackle on day two. Uh, so mm-hmm. you need an edge, you need a quarterback, you need a wide receiver too because they're not going to use pits in that way. So you got to find some. You got to I guess you have to get a, an actual wide receiver. Um, so where is this? Where are we getting this upgraded center in the, on day three? Like. You know, we uh, spending big free agent money on another center to challenge Drew. Do- no, you're not. So it's and and this team has had every opportunity to go get another center. They could have had John Michael Schmitz this year, who's having a decent year for the Giants. Certainly, um, mm-hmm. you know, they could have had the top center in the draft. They could have had Creed Humphrey a couple of years ago, but they wanted to stick with Drew Dahlman. And I think it, it they it's you know is he is he Creed Humphrey? You know, no, no. Creed Humphrey is in, in the, on that Mount Rushmore centers right now. You know, Drew Dahlman's sort of like outside the club waiting to get in, you know, he's, 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 he's on the list. He's, like, he's on the list. Yeah, he's he's on line. the wait list. Yeah. He's in line, but not quite there yet. Not quite in the club. Um, but again, it's like, it, don't, don't create problems where none exist. Don't go looking to start problems. Like you're going to extend him. He's going to be a reasonably priced center. Um, he's not going to be one of these break the bank type of players. And, and you, you need those guys on your offensive line. You can't pay premium money to everyone on your offensive line. You just can't do it. So, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think you're, you're happy with what you're getting from Dahlman. You're hoping that he continues to develop. Uh, and again, the offensive line is one of those, one of those positions where it can be a long-term up yes. uptick. It's not just like, uh, a, yes. well, he's either good in two years or he sucks, you know, and it's really not like that for any position in the NFL really. But Offensive line is really one where you see that slow, steady increase for for some guys, and, and by the time they get to age thirty, you know they're really hitting their stride. And and you know, we'll see if that happens for Dalman. You know, we'll see if 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 McGarry can also continue to to improve. Uh, you know, and we got another young guy in, in Matthew Bergeron who's hopefully going to be a, a staple that can keep the the price down on the offensive line. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, to me, that the offensive line is just so far from the problem this year. Like. Yes, like the pass blocking has been inconsistent, but I think a lot of I think our our biggest issues have to do with the play calling still. Um, yeah, and that's what it comes back to for me is that it's just you know we're we're running just spamming outside zone against this Jets defense, which is like if you like I get that Sauce is vulnerable against the run, like he's not a great tackler at this stage. You know he, he's he's their cover guy, but they their edge rushers are so good. You know, they're, they're, there's one thing that this team can do. It's it's stop outside zone. Like, they, they're just, they're kind of built for that. And we saw when they ran inside, when they ran inside zone or they ran some power stuff, they typically had success, but they just lost so much yardage on outside zone. And that's what led to the safety, too, uh, which is just, well, I don't, yeah. I mean, and, and we you talked about that play specifically. It's just, a, it's just such a, it, it asks so much of some of these players to be able to do these things. And it's, it's, 
the the players you're asking them to do this against too. Like, if you're gonna do it, do it against like the other like run it the other way and ask Dolman to block. Not you know, the they're, Quinn they're, and Williams. Yeah, don't run it where you you have to get past Quinn and Williams. It's just man. Uh, well, you know, again, it's the thing. Like you start off top, right? Because you talked about how this this Jets defense is built. This is a very fast defense, right? Like th- that's that's what they do. Even on the inside. You know, they have a guy on their defense that I played with in college, Solomon Thomas. And, you know, you look at his build, right, around 270-ish, you know, maybe even a little lighter. You think, okay, that's probably an edge guy. No, he plays inside because he has the quickness advantage to beat guards and make things happen. He's still strong enough to hold his own on a good amount of run plays. So this is a, a quick defense with a top three at minimum inside linebacker group with C.J. Moses and Quincy Williams, right? So if you run some of these plays against them where it's going to take a while to develop, it's, you know, and you need X, Y, Z to happen, it's not it. Now, we're again, like you said, where we had success, some success in this game is when you had some quick hitters, right? We're getting downhill, getting downfield. I mean, the thing that's so unfortunate with it, though, is I felt like we took a step back this week in terms of the run scheme of again being pretty being you know being pretty uh telepathical of like what we're gonna do right if i see 25 in the backfield okay he's running downhill you know if i see seven in the backfield probably gonna be something towards the outside uh because i mean even i think i think Bijan's his his longest run of the day came when he rushed right inside of the tackle on the left side right 12 yard gain um and and so that's like I'm saying that that's what's just frustrating with it is we we saw the success of attacking people and switching up who runs what type of run play just a week ago just to go back to do it against an even better defense. Um, that, I think that was that was really frustrating because again, like we said, you talk about that play unless Matthew Bergeron. Like the only only thing I can see that that happened on the play is if Matthew Bergeron had a missed assignment. And I don't think he did, right? I'm just saying the only reason why I would say that is because if he was supposed to post first on that 2i, so that way you gave Drew Dahlman time to get over there, that's the only other way. Like, it's like, yeah, that kind of might have worked, right? But since you didn't get hands on him, again, you're asking a center basically to get over on a gap to, to, to block one of the best defensive tackles in the league. It's not happening. It's just not happening. Then, of course, it doesn't help either that Ashton Davis comes in and absolutely destroys Parker Hesse. But, again, it, it, it that play was just set up for disaster from the get-go. Yeah. Based off so their many things that can go wrong. So many things yeah, that like, again, wrong. like Just based off their alignment, the Jets' alignment, that play was set up for disaster. Yeah. Um, but, man, those, that's just kind of goes in with some of the things that we talked about. That's why I said during the game, like, run at them. You're <laughs> and not it's hilarious the because – the run play before they run like a QB sneak to get extra yards, and it gets like so many yards. It gets a lot of yards. It's like, oh wow, maybe we should just run up the middle. And it's like, nope, we're gonna do like a halfback stretch in the end zone. And uh, what do you know, safety. So it's just <sighs> yeah. And again, we keep coming back to this. It's like I just I I don't I I the play call. I feel like the play calling is actively holding this team back. Um, yeah. And it it's it's sad because it, like you, I think you and I both had a lot of hope for Arthur Smith and the way he was constructing things, trying to be different, trying to, to utilize this positionless football, but it just, it's a mess. It's a mess right now. Um, and, and, and this is a tough defense to do it against. Don't get me wrong. Like sure, yeah. it wasn't going to be pretty this week, probably no matter what, but it's not like this is the only week that this has happened. Um, you know, that, and so. I think that's, like I said, that's what's unfortunate. And again, I, I thought you saw last week against new Orleans of how, when you do mix up who runs, what, how it can be successful. Like we saw Algier run some stretch outside zone plays, and it worked. We saw Bijan hitting it right away, and it worked. You saw Cordero doing a mix of both, and it worked. So, again, that 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 mix and match with who's doing what, it showed that you can be successful doing it. But then we went back to this this past week where, again, yes, this is an ugly game. Um, and it was always going to be an ugly game. But even with that, you still could have prettied it up at least a little bit, right? Like put put some lipstick on the pig for Pete's sake and and make the run game do what it's supposed to do. Um, you know, again, like we talked about 
in weeks past how the Falcons need to have that identity game, right? Of, hey, this is our identity, especially on offense. This is what we're going to do, and we're going to keep doing it because you can't stop it, right? And we saw that a good bit against New Orleans. They did not have, like, and and again, the conditions of what they played in were actually tailor-made for them to do that this week, right? And I get it. Jets, Jets defense is really good, but when you have those rainy games, bad weather, that's when the run game's got to shine. And you missed out on that opportunity. Yeah. It, so it's just that they, they could have, this game could have been a lot easier, I, I think. But I mean, it, it doesn't help that basically outside of Chris Lindstrom and Drew Dahlman, not as the only other player with a positive run blocking grade was uh, Drake London. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> that, that does tell the story as well is that they just got their asses kicked in the trenches uh, for the most part. So, um, you know, shout out to Lindstrom and Dahlman for doing work and, and Drake London, you know, getting locked up with sauce. That was going to be a really tough matchup, obviously, but he, he blocked yeah. his ass off. Uh, so there, there was that, um, you definitely appreciate, appreciate seeing that if you can't, if you can't get targets, at least you could go out there and, and pancake somebody, but, um, just a rough game offensively. And again, it's like, we, they show that they can, they can do these things. They can switch up the play calling. They can do some, some good stuff, some impressive stuff. And then they just go right back to, to the old standby. I don't know if it's like, uh, Oh, things are getting tough. I'm just throwing, I'm throwing it all out the window and we're going back to our bread and butter. We're just going to run outside zone all day. Like, you know, it, it just doesn't seem like this team. I mean, they, they make good adjustments typically in the second half, but it's like, man, I I just, their, their first half game plans have been so bad this year. Just, it just doesn't make sense to me most of the time what the hell they're doing out there. It's just a lack of consistency offensively. And they, and I mean, it's perfect. There's a perfect reason as to why we're six and six, like six and six with how this team has played, especially offensively. It just makes perfect sense. Um, you know, and, and so no, again, like I said, we, I say that in terms of play calling, I say that in terms of Desmond Ritter. Um, now again, I get it. 12 of 27 doesn't look good. Right. Um, I know he did have the one interception most taken back. Cause I think illegal contact, uh, but even on that play, it looked like Cal Pitts kind of let up, which we've seen a few times. And again, that's why I asked the question: Did he not think he was part of the uh, the the progression there? Like sometimes you do have dummy routes. Like, yes, that's it's like you're thing. running this route because you're creating space for something yep. else. Clear right? outs, so, dummy routes, whatever you guys want to call. Yeah. Them. So so that's why I'm just wondering: Like, did he actually think he was he was going to be involved in that or not? Uh, which if he didn't or he wasn't supposed to be, why did Desmond throw it? Uh, but there were other couple plays in there too. Again, like Desmond's twelve of twenty-seven because there were a couple of drops too. Yes, right. There so, were some drops, yeah. so that that kind of makes things look a little bit different. Like I thought overall he was solid. Yeah. Right. Like it's the right home about, but I thought he was solid. But again, like it's just in the overarching theme of this offense. Again, inconsistency. Like we know he's been inconsistent at times. Like he, when the fourth quarter comes around, and most more times than not, he looks like the best quarterback in the league. And then it's just a matter of, well, I hope the game's close and we get to the fourth quarter so we can get that Desmond Ritter because you don't always get it. Yeah. Um, and then again, like I said, with play calling, it's I've seen sometimes where we put some good drives together. Yep. And we do have that good play call in this moment to to make this work and that work, right? Obviously the the touchdown to uh to, to Bijan on the on the mesh concept last week in Sorens, which we tried to run again, and shocker, the Jets were ready for it. But um you know, when we ran it last week, that looked really good. It's like, oh, great play call. You knew what they're going to be in. You can get a one-on-one right here. And then we have others where we're scratching our heads. So, yeah. it, I mean, just no matter where you look for the most part with this offense, it's, again, inconsistency just keeps coming up. And that's yes. what's most most frustrating. It's not like they can't do it. They just don't do it every time. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's just it's it is so frustrating and you're, you're absolutely right and it just we we need it has to be better you know we just can't and that that's why you'll probably continue to hear people question whether smith should be the head coach because it's yeah. you know it, it even if they end up getting to the playoffs this year which at this point they're on track to do like it is this has he shown anything to make you confident like this is working like this is what is this really what we wanted going into year three the answer is absolutely not so you know mm-hmm. it, I'm sure Dave Dave Ragone's getting scapegoated and fired. You know, I'm sure it's going to be well. We didn't have the quarterback. You know, which again was a problem of their own making. Um, yes. So, you know, I I'm not going to be convinced. I you know, and I I at this point I think it would be a shock if Smith was fired. We knew it was a long shot 
no matter what, they probably would have had to fall apart. Because again, we Smith's seat is cold. This was a long-term plan. They're going to give him time. But, you know, in, in, the, in the spectrum of things Smith could have done to make you think, to feel good about this team and to feel good about his leadership and play calling, this is close to the worst case scenario because it's just, it's so, it feels very uninspired. It feels very difficult. It feels very sloppy uh, across the board on offense. So, you know, you can't just point to the wide receivers. They're not running the right routes. The tight ends aren't blocking well. Like everything's going poorly offensively. And I, I think, I don't think you can just blame the quarterback. Um, you know, I, I absolutely think not. It's, it's just not, it's not the quarterback that's causing all these problems. So, um, you know, hopefully they can build some more consistently and finish strong and, and show us something in the playoffs, whether, you know, doesn't necessarily have to be a win, but if you could at least look competent against Dallas, uh, that would be something certainly. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But speaking of defense, oh yeah, if you if you wanted if you had another take, we could do that. Oh I, yeah, I was just gonna but, say in terms yeah. of of, play, of playoffs, right? If, if we if we make it in, the thing about the Falcons that actually I, I think that people don't realize about them in terms of, of making it there and and you know potentially getting a first round win, they have the ability, like they have the people in that room. Like Arthur Smith isn't wrong about one thing. They do have the people in the locker room to, to, to make some things happen. The Falcons in this run game should be able to shorten a game, right? And and that's the thing, as we all know, if you play against a team and we get it, look at some of the offenses that they might have to play in the playoffs, right? We we know what San Francisco is doing. You know what Detroit can do. We've seen them play already and, and, and what Dallas has been doing as of late. All those de- all those offenses, though, what they need to get going is rhythm in a game. So if, you, if you're out there, though, and you can – wear out a defense and get these 10, 11, 12, 13 play drives at last seven, eight minutes plus, you mess up the rhythm for the other team. And again, it's not like we don't have a defense that can can make things happen as well. So I'm, I'm not saying this to say, like, I don't want people to think all of a sudden I'm saying, oh, yeah, Falcons are going to win the Super Bowl. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that they should have the ability to shorten games and make every single play have that much more stress on it for whatever other offense that they're playing. But again, a lot of that's going to come back to, you can't be so, so easily identifiable with what you're doing. And that's what the problem is in the run game right now. And, and I mean, obviously we can talk about the pass game too, but I really just want to hone in on saying that with the run game, because that's supposed to be your bread and butter on offense. Yeah, exactly. And they just, it feels like they don't trust it or something. It's like, it's weird. It's like, they just, the whole thing defies explanation to me. It just feels so disjointed. It feels like there's a lack of trust. It feels like I disjointed is the best thing I could say. It it, it just, the whole thing feels sloppy. Like it's not quite right always. And that, that, that has, I mean, to me, that's always coaching. Like if the whole thing feels off, it's a coaching problem. Um, I agree because these are professionals, you know, this isn't a high school team where it's like, well, maybe these kids just don't know how to play football. Um, but even in the high school level, you should be able to get your guys to run wing T or something like, come on. Like, <laughs> you, like, there, there's always ways to, to, yeah. um, to coach up or help with like talent, uh, uh, discrepancies. Right. I mean, how many times did we see Paul Johnson at Georgia tech give Georgia problems? Yeah. And you're going to tell me that Georgia Tech was having all the four-star, five-star guys that Georgia was getting? No, but because they were coached so well and that triple option's hard to stop when you run it right, they had some success. Mm-hmm. You know, not not again, I'm not saying that they they owned that rivalry when it was there cuz they didn't. Like again, Georgia is still pretty good. But that that triple option gave team problems. We saw a team make an orange bowl and beat Mississippi State. Running a triple option, I think that was what twenty, yeah, twenty fourteen. I think when Georgia think Tech so. did that, like, so, I mean, how many times have you seen, you know, Navy was really good, whether it was Paul Johnson there too, or um, Ken? Oh my goodness, I forget what his last name is, but Navy had good teams running it. Um, yep. You know, list goes on and on. So you know, we ran a bit when I was at Woodward. Uh, a, a little bit of a sense of a triple option. Again, we yeah. weren't the most talented team, but we were disciplined and made things work. And right now, like you said, to your point, it's, I think overall in terms of the the scheme that we have, it can work, but the way we're putting it together is, is just making it that much more tougher. Yeah, it, it's just, 
it's tough. Uh, it, it, to me, it just looks like they think that their players are better and they don't need the scheme to help them out. They're just going to, you guys go run your routes and we know you're going to beat your guy. So there we go. It's fine. But in the NFL, the scheme has to help people out because guess what? Has Everyone's to. good. Everyone's great. Everyone's yes. good. Everyone's, you can't just depend on your players to be better than the opponent in the NFL. You, it's nice when you can, you know, it's nice if you have Travis Kelsey or Jamar Chase or right. Justin Jefferson who can just go erase mistakes offensively and just get open no matter what. But, you know, 90, 90% of teams aren't going to be able to do that with regularity. And even when they do have someone like that, it's still possible for that person to get taken out by a good defense. So absolutely, you ha- the scheme has to help. And, and I think it, it's pretty clear at this point that it's hurting Atlanta. So uh, we'll hope we'll hope we to see more growth from that. That's all we can really say at this point. But yeah, defensively, great game. Uh, you look at you look at the offensive grades and there's like four green ones or something. You look at the defense, it's like the whole page is green and they you know, again, not the most challenging opponent going against the Jets with they did have many of their offensive linemen back healthy. I know Wes Schweitzer was able to play. I know Mackay Becton was back. So not a bunch of backups this week. They did get some of their guys back. So it was a little bit of a stouter def- uh, offensive line than in the previous couple weeks. But Falcons still come away with 20 pressures, four sacks. Um, they they definitely did a good job of limiting the Jets' run game. Um, you know, I, I defensively, I think they, they did everything possible. And they should have had a defensive score. Um, yes. You know, that, that was taken off by support fishing. We went off on that, you know, on, on the post game. So we won't relitigate that again but they were bad um, all day they were that was far from the only problem they were bad all day yeah but falcons hold them to 2 of 15 on third down that's tremendous just 62 rushing yards allowed under 200 passing yards allowed um you know the falcons defense ultimately won the game off turnovers you know those turnovers were absolutely critical and you know the defensive score obviously would have been huge but for once jordan the falcons don't turn the ball over and they force three turnovers what is this i've never seen this team all year so man i tell you what it does feel good to be on the plus side of the turnover margin because even in the past when we see this defense force turnovers the offense also turns it <laughs> Gives over it right back. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So no, it, it was, it was really good to, to see that. Cause I think overall uh, I, I'd be interested to see what our turnover differential is. I know our plus minus in terms of points is negative 14. I know I'm pretty sure we're still in the negative in terms of turnover differential as well. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was good to see. And again, it was, you had some of your usual guys, doing it right like jesse bates again first team all pro safety coming up with another interception but it was also good to see nate lamon force a fumble and you know and part of why he was able to do that is because clark phillips was there to make a tackle it was good to see richie grant who had to kind of switch up his defensive abilities and uh responsibilities this week because of the injuries and of course demarco's been playing a lot better also that hot mic for him was hilarious um and so you, you saw he had to, you know, switch things. Also, I found out. So we're we're minus three still in turnover differential uh, yep, on the yep. on the season. Mm-hmm. But um, so it was good to see other guys get involved in in the turnover making game and and making things happen in that way too. But I think that overall goes back to what we said with last week coming off the bye week and again in the New Orleans game. It looked like and felt like there were more people flying to the football again. And we had we didn't see that um, the last couple of weeks before the bye, right? Now, whether it's just guys were tired or whatever the case may be, it wasn't happening. Yeah. So the fact that it, it's starting to show up again, and again, they're they're reaping the rewards for yes. it is, uh, you know, that that's definitely been something that's good to see. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, Bud Dupree finally finished. Jordan finally got the two sacks, <laughs> and it's like I it's know. it's. It's really frustrating because Dupree, I think, has been generating a lot of pressure. I think he's like third on the team in pressures and has a very respectable pressure rate. It's just not being able to convert it to sacks. He gets two today. Good for him. Um, you know, makes three stops against a run, forced a fumble. Uh, so it's, you know, again, it, it, you really you really like to see that from Bud Dupree. They, the Falcons desperately need that that impact presence there. I don't know Katie. Uh, just says the one pressure, uh, again, only plays 17 snaps, you know, 11 of them are pass rush snaps. 
mm-hmm. uh, but does get the one sack on on those snaps. You know, and it was the, the clincher. You know, it was yep. it was the huge game ending sack there by Onanda Bikati. Um, and then we also saw, I think, a respectable performance from Lorenzo Carter doing really well yep. against the run. Just Carter is just really sound. You can tell he's very smart. You know, I, I I'm surprised they don't drop him in cover. Like I've seen them drop, you know, Calais in coverage. I've seen them drop on Yamada. If you're gonna drop someone in coverage, it should be Lorenzo Carter because he's actually. I've said it before. The, he, the NFL's best coverage edge, which is a very niche he had thing. A, but a, you know, <laughs> a strip sack too, if I'm not mistaken. He may have. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I don't think know he if, did. Yeah, they they didn't credit it to him on PFF, but I I know the one you're talking about, and I I think it's arguable if it was him that caused it. But he was definitely involved in it. But again, he yeah. also has two run stops, and that that's a big, you know, big boost. And um, you know, Anyamada obviously still playing well. You can tell he's not quite a hundred percent off that injury. You know, he's not David Onyemata of the first eight weeks or whatever it was, but I mean, yeah. definitely still a, a positive presence. And another guy, I, I would say that finally, I think is starting to come around a bit. You know, Zach Harrison, I think, has started to look more comfortable. Sure. Not necessarily playing a ton, but when he does play, um, you know, I, I think he's he's been doing well. Um, so so glad to see that. Um, I know Kentavious Street had a bunch of pressures too. Um, He's been that was that was yeah. he's been a great trade acquisition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he had three pressures according to PFF. So you know, definitely someone who's contributing. Again, not he didn't get any sacks off of it, but did uh, contribute there. Also had a couple run stops. So they're, they're getting contributions up and down from from this defensive line, and you know th- they sealed it. They were the they were the the clincher, uh, and we've been waiting just, for that. We, it's uh, been it's been so easier. close. Like it's been so close, but it, it's great to see that they finally uh, were able to to put this one away. No, I mean, and that's the thing, right? You always at the end of the at the end of a game, you need um, you need some guys that that can make um make some things happen. Uh, also, I I realized I got it twisted. So Arnold Epicati was the one that got the strip sack, but Lorenzo mm-hmm. Carter, I think the play before he chased Simeon out the pocket and, and, you know, he hit him when he was trying to throw. Yeah, so it was yeah. like an incompletion there. That That's what I got mixed up. Got so my you. apologies yeah, yeah. on that. But um, no, to your point, there is this, there is really a thing. And I, I get it with pro athletes. You know, I think everyone probably thinks and feels that, Oh, well, this should always be confident. They're in the NFL. They make X, Y, Z amount of money. No, there's sometimes where things can be streaky. And a lot of it is confidence, not even just in yourself, but as a unit, as a whole, and so, again, with this defensive line, because we, we've talked about it, right? And, of course, we're not going to say all of a sudden that we don't need to draft an edge or bring somebody in um, this offseason. No, you absolutely still do. But I think overall they're starting to get this sense of feel to them of, like, man, at any given time, any of us can get this pressure. Anyone can get this QB hit. Anyone could potentially get a sack, right? Like, I, I think you've seen an uptick a little bit um, from the outside, and it's good to see. Right. Arnold Epicades had a sack. Was it four of the last five games? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Something along those lines. Yeah. Again, you yeah. talk about Lorenzo Carter, Bud Dupree. He looks like he's winning more and more. Now, of course, yeah, we love to see him get the quarterback down a little bit more. But again, he is winning those one on ones a little bit more often, um, you know, as we go on further in the season, too. So it's one of those things where sometimes it's contagious, right? right. Like just, just like in basketball on a team with three point shooting. You know, there's one person starts going off and then this person starts going off. And then now all of a sudden everybody's hitting threes. Uh, also, at the same time, it can go the other way. Right. We saw the Houston Rockets in that game seven against the Warriors where they like, they missed, what, 27 straight three point shots. Now, that doesn't mean that they were all bad three point shooters and they weren't all bad shots. It's, it's just contagious like that sometimes yeah. in sports. It is. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, the Falcons already have surpassed last year's sack total. Um, and they still got five games to go, <laughs> which again is not necessarily saying much given last year's sack total, but, um, they're up, they're up to 26 sacks now, which is, you know, resembling a competent, uh, you know, pass defense at, at this stage. So, uh, obviously you like to see that. I mean, they're, they're still, you know, close to the bottom of the league in sacks, but again, it's like their, their pressure rate is pretty good. It's in the top 10. Um, they just haven't necessarily converted a, a huge number of those pressures into sacks. Um, yep. You know that so it that's that's been an issue again. They're they're still the lowest team in the top ten in terms of sacks. Mo- almost everybody in the top ten has thirty plus. Um, like there's only one other team that has less than thirty. So, or two, excuse me. The the Lions, the Falcons actually have more sacks than the Lions. So, uh, mm. didn't think that would didn't think that would be happening. But, um, you know it 
And then you'll see teams like the Arizona Cardinals who have the lowest pressure rate in the NFL and have 32 sacks because reasons, you know, just, when, just because. When you get there, make it work. Yep. When you get there, it, you don't get there often, but when you do, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the, the Falcons have 104 pressures and have less sacks than the Cardinals who only have 75 pressures. So um, they have an absurd uh, conversion rate. But, you know, it. hey, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I don't. I don't even like to an extent, right? I guess with that, it's like that's not even necessarily being lucky. It's again, right. If you right. get there and you Just get quarterback it. down, yeah, did your job, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, so they're they're getting better uh, with the passers, but again, they still need those impact guys there. That's what they're missing. I think they have like a stable of guys that are all sort of solid players they yeah. just don't really have that impact guy and i think that would you know pr- we're probably about to throw the bag at bryce huff guys uh, <laughs> i hope it works i hope it works out um <laughs> he's certainly been playing his ass off this year and has been a great yeah. you know complimentary pass rusher there never really had to play all, all the snaps but uh that's that's probably what you're looking for in free agency uh you're probably not getting any of these premium sure thing type of guys so you know we're gonna have to take our take our chances with Bryce Huff, but I do like Bryce Huff better than uh, Dante Fowler. So you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm happy. Yeah, I would definitely been be happy. Solid this year. Well, you know, like, apparently I agree Dan, with you, Dan but... Quinn, yeah, Dan Quinn, when he gets out of Atlanta, can turn all these players he likes into great players. But in Atlanta, <laughs> it just didn't work out. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so you know, I, they, they certainly have room to upgrade there on the edge, and I think they probably will draft and sign someone if they can, but. You know, I, I think on the interior with with if Dr- Grady Jarrett comes back, you know, you're starting to see like they have basically the everything they need. Like, I mean, it, obviously you could you could potentially upgrade some spots. You know, Taquan Graham has not really come on the way you want, but I think Contavious Street, you know, Lakeo London, hopefully he'll be back soon and we can see what he looks like. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you've got Anyamata. Maybe you know if Calais Campbell wants to play again, be happy to have him back. You know that they, they have a, a good rotation on the interior. You know, and I think if they get like Grady Jarrett and Mikhail London back in here, then it's a very deep group as well. So um, hopefully those guys will be able to be back healthy next year and we can have have that group more or less solidified. Yeah, you know, it's 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 everything in context, right? Like take Juan Graham. And I mean, look, we're still seeing it with Kyle Pitts uh, when, you, when you come off certain knee injuries. It takes a little time because, uh, again, with the group that you talked about, you know, it was it was a struggle at times for for TQ. Um, in that game, getting pushed back um, on on Sunday, but again, I I, I I can say what I think about him right now as a player, but there's still a difference of what I think of him overall mm-hmm. as a player. Like I think he's still a pretty good rotational guy, right? But again, it's how healthy is he? How confident is he in that knee? You know, from coming back from last year, so that's part of it. And again, like I said, unfortunately, because of the injuries, and again with David Onyemata not being 100 percent too we're now looking at all those guys in the interior in a different light because it's okay. Obviously, you know, you got your two guys, Grady, Jared, David, and Lonnie up front, but then it's like, Oh yeah, we got to rotate to an Albert Huggins or we have to rotate to a LaCale London or, you know, whomever else it's that works. I can live with that. But then if, if you're talking about them now being starting guys, yeah, it's a different light than what, you know, their ideal and your optimal um, spot for them would be. And again, no, no, shade or disrespect to them at all is saying that it's again like think about the two guys we're talking about grady jared and david Omnimata, right like yeah. two of the yeah. best in the league yeah. um so again right like just think about this if you have those two guys healthy and 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 playing and you bring in Kentavious street with how he's playing like he's he's a reserve guy oh my goodness that, that's a great three-person tandem right yeah. three-person uh trio uh so again it, it's just a matter of perspective with that too but yeah like you said it's on the outside, you, you really bring one of those guys in, whether it's in a draft who can be a dude or or we do hit a home run again on the defense and free agency. I think that defensive line and the thought process around it and how good they are looks a little different. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, so, you know, I, I think they're, they're a lot closer than they were a year ago. That's been one area oh, yeah. where they've oh, made yeah. massive strides, even though it's not where we want it to be yet. It's it's definitely much closer. Uh, and I think, I think with the defensive line, we could say it could be a year away now, like one – good free agency draft period could could take this unit to where we've actually wanted it to be for so so long so uh hopefully hopefully we do see do see that fingers crossed yeah and and again another part of it too is the whole idea of complementary football of 
you see this with the Jets sometimes. Again, like I said, that, that they have a, a great case for top defense in the league, right? Like I, I, I really do believe that. But what happens is because they're on the field so much, you get worn down, right? Going towards later parts in the game and whatnot. Um, so that being said, it's like for the Falcons, you'd love to see this offense be a little bit more productive. Keep giving that defense some rest, especially again with the the lack of depth that right now that you might have a defensive tackle. Because again, you see like usually when teams do start having success running the ball against Atlanta, it's in the second half, right? They, you don't get anything. The Saints didn't really get much of anything on the ground in that uh, that first half. Second half, though, some holes started opening up for Alvin Kamara to take advantage of. Because yeah, the guys kept being on the field. So that that's the other part of this too is the growth and development of the offense will also help the ability of, of how good this defense is and can be. Yes, agreed. And and that's what we were hoping for is that the, the offense yeah. could give the defense an advantageous position because they could grind down the clock and the defense wouldn't have to play all that much because the Falcons were controlling the clock. And we haven't really seen that very much outside of a few games. So uh, things definitely haven't gone according to plan <laughs> offensively that, that we know that for sure. But um Let's talk a little bit about the secondary before we get out of here, just because Jesse Bates, yeah. obviously, uh, PFF only gave him a 67 grade. So, you know. <laughs> what a bum. What a bum. <laughs> this is just God, hilarious so to me. Yeah. But, um, yeah. At any rate, uh, you know, Jesse Bates, like, wins the game uh, for the Falcons again. Uh, just an absolutely clutch performance from Bates. Uh, we did get to see your boy, Clark Phillips, and, and my boy, Clark Phillips, uh, Play outside corner, Jordan. What would you think about that? Uh, finally got to see our man do what he does best. I'm so surprised. Clark Phillips was really good as an outside corner in college and a first-team All-Pro, uh, you know, All-Pac-12 and all those accolades. He was an All-American, um, too. Yeah, yeah, as an All-American on the outside, was really good playing on the outside. I'm, I'm so shocked. Um, no, look, I, I, the thing for me is I'm really happy for him, right, because obviously coming into this year – the big thought process for him is that if he is playing, he's going to have to try to fight out somebody for that nickel spot. Now, good news, bad news, right? In terms of he wasn't good news is because D Alford's been pretty damn good. Yeah. Right. Um, but now you come into a situation where it's like, all right, well, we need you to play outside. And again, you're going up against a very good receiver, a good bit of times, right? And Garrett Wilson. And I think you have the one holding penalty, which, Okay, I guess you're going to call holding on that. Um, but besides that, like, he had a good game. Again, he was involved on the tackle when Nate Lamon comes in, punches the ball out. So I'll make a couple of other tackles around the field as well. So, again, that was just good for him. And, and again, as we talked about, you know, a little bit earlier, the confidence level and, the, and, and how contagious, you know, winning on pass rush reps can be up front. Just think about what how much that means in terms of the, the mood and environment in the secondary, again, the secondary has been pretty solid, right? This whole year, Jeff Kuda has been good. You know, you say what you want about AJ Terrell, but he's still been a solid corner. You know what Jesse Bates has been, right? Um, Richie Grant, like I said, he actually had his moments <laughs> he, of flashing. Yep. He, um, but Demarco Hellens has come in and and had some uh, some good moments too. So now you just add another body to that list, where it's just like, again, you know. Just the fact of having another person step up and make a play, it's contagious for everybody else in that in that meeting room. Yeah, it, it's great to see. And, and you know, it, the Falcons really needed Clark Phillips to, to step up because, they, they you know, the Jets don't exactly have a, a great situation in the passing game, but they could still take advantage, and they tried. Uh, and Clark Phillips didn't let it happen, so good on him. Um, yeah. And, again, did, did enough as a run defender. Didn't necessarily make the tackle himself every time, but – the, as the outside corner on some of those zone plays and stuff like that, you just got to slow him down. Like you just got to yep. keep him from getting past you. You don't have to finish the tackle. You just got to keep, keep him from contained, getting past make you. Him cut it back inside. Make, yeah, yeah. Either, either string him out towards the sideline or make him cut back inside. And, and he did that. And you know, PFF like roasted him for it. They're like, Oh, he didn't tackle, you know, he missed all his tackles. Like I, I disagree entirely. I think he, he did a, I think he did a fantastic job against the run. Um, so you know, it's nice to see that DeMarco Hellams played 50 snaps. Uh, mm -hmm. The Falcons really went with like a three safety look in this for a lot of this game. And a lot of that, some of that had to do, of course, with Nate Landman getting hurt at, at a certain point. Yeah. But um, 
That was interesting. You know, Richie Grant uh, missed 100% of his tackles, according to PFF. <laughs> but, you know, mm. um, he did have, a, I think he, he got that uh, sack. That was a nice blitz. Uh, he got some pressure. Yep. And, you know, I thought he actually had a pretty decent day in coverage. So that that was nice. Um, but, yeah, what, Richie Grant stays being one of the most, like, up and down, like, frustrating players, uh, UCF legend. So I, I can't, you know, slander too much. <laughs> but, um we didn't get. We didn't have to watch Mike Hughes though, Jordan, and that that to me was a that was a big step. It wasn't Mike Hughes coming in uh, when when AJ Terrell came out, and, and and Phillips even seemed to leapfrog Trey Flowers, uh, which was a little bit surprising to me. So, um, again, we've talked about this too. Trey Flowers is a tight end matchup corner, not an outside corner that you just play against everybody. So, um, you know, I, I I'm excited to see what Clark Phillips can do. We we may need him <laughs> this week against the yep. Bucks. Uh, now I don't recommend matching him up against Mike Evans. Uh, like that's just really asking for trouble. You know, I know honestly, uh, it it should be Jeff Okuda, but you know, Jeff Okuda did not have a great game in this one. That that's for sure. So, (laughs) well, and and again, like it's all about, about matchups, right? Um, again, Jeff Okuda with as aggressive and physical as he is, it's why we talked about it the last time we played Tampa. Yeah. We wanted to see him against Mike Evans a little bit more often. And again, that's not to say that AJ Terrell isn't good. It's just when you think about certain matchups, like certain things for certain guys works, right? Again, using the basketball reference, I think we all agree Kevin Durant's kind of a kind of a good scorer. Like he, he's he's made a solid career for himself, right? Pretty good. Yeah. Um, I remember, you know, years ago when they would play the Clippers in the playoffs, Chris Paul could guard him. Right. And like you think about that, that size is like that shouldn't happen. But again, just sometimes certain matchups for certain people is just not right. And again, with as physical and as big as Mike Evans is, put your more physical, bigger corner against him and let AJ do what he does best. And that's bully up on smaller receivers. Right. Like that. I mean, that just would make sense. Now, of course, we got to see what happens with AJ in terms of, you know, the whole concussion protocol. Hope he's doing all right. Because again, concussions are so. They're so up in the air. You can feel yeah. like you're getting better one day, and then all of a sudden the next day, it's 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 horrible. You know, I've I've been through that. Um, so hope he's all right. But again, yeah, that's that's what I would see and hope that the Falcons do. And of course, one thing too with the secondary. Again, I just want answers, right? Like I don't even want to say it's wrong. I'm just so curious as to when the Falcons again when they're in cover two because we saw you know Tim Boyle and Simeon both. They, they did a pretty good job of hitting hole shots. And, and it wasn't like Jesse Bates wasn't flying over there to make a play or anything like that. Why do we not get hands on receivers at the line and cover two? Like, I, I just, I'm just really curious as to why we don't do it. Yeah, I I don't, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> like, again, you have a really good safety back there, right? And Jesse Bates, yep. you have a really good one. But asking him to cover all that ground yeah, and you don't, throw off the timing that's asking a lot of him to do yeah yeah exactly so i just it that they gotta they gotta do something about that because that has been something consistently that's been wrong week in and week out uh with with the way that he plays that particular coverage and um you know something's got to give there but you know we'll see what happens because with with terrell i mean look we saw chris alave come back from his concussion in in less than a week that can happen or sometimes it takes weeks Mm -hmm. you know know, dorian thompson robinson of the browns he's been out for multiple weeks so we don't really know. Um, you know, maybe Terrell will be back, maybe not. But the Falcons do at least have somebody in Clark Phillips that we know can can play. And then, you know, mm-hmm. at that point, it's like it really needs to be Jeff Okuda following Mike Evans wherever he lines up because there's, you know, you don't want Clark Phillips on on Mike Evans. It's just that that that's the situation where that high. I mean, to be fair to, to Clark Phillips, he played Drake London extremely well. So he and Mike Evans are pretty similar athletes you know i think mike evans definitely faster um but just you know that's that's asking for trouble uh rookie on mike evans just let's let's maybe not tempt yeah. me with, with that particular matchup but um absolutely we'll see and then obviously we hope that that nate Lamon's okay it looked like it's not considered to be a long-term knee injury but we don't know if he'll be able to play this week which would mean andre smith coming in um so Probably more richie grant in the box with those three safety looks too Yep, probably the more of that. Um, so we'll we'll see we'll see what happens with all that. Uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely an interesting matchup coming up. But the, the defense sealed this one. Maybe they could do the same thing for us against the Bucks next week. But 
yeah, Jordan, I think I think we covered all the bases. We get a lot a lot of things to touch on in, in this trench talk as the Falcons do officially get back to 500 and now have a chance to really take a, an iron grip of the division if they beat the Bucks this week. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Crazy to say. It is. It is. Uh, <laughs> I get, if they do, they'll get the sweep over the Bucks, and they'll go up, you know, probably multiple games on everybody else and, and then be, almost seal the divisional record tiebreaker. Almost. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, and this Bucks team did almost lose to the Panthers legitimately. So, yeah. um, you know, but we'll see. Maybe as long as you know, as long as the Falcons can take care of business at home, where they've tended to be a little bit less bad, um, you know, they they we should be good to go. So, uh, well, we'll see how that how that goes. Yeah, you know, it, it'll be interesting because again, I'm I'm assuming, and I know things are kind of crazy right now in New Orleans too, but they're going to beat Carolina. Um, but. Overall, too, like I, I want to say this because, and I know we're getting to the point where we're seeing what everyone else is doing. Even just for your own self-esteem, like seven and six, you feel so much better than six and seven. Yeah. And you haven't been over five. When's the last time? Like honestly, I'm, I'm asking not even just you. This is more even like one of the rhetoricals. When's the last time that this team was over five hundred this late in the year? Twenty seventeen. You know, like so twenty seventeen <laughs> exactly. Like it, it's it's been a while, right? So. Again, this is why I went on that whole rant about, you know, people saying, well, they're just going to play themselves out of a good draft pick and lose in the first round. I mean, uh, yeah, lose the first round of playoffs. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. Build a winning culture and, and a winning feeling in that locker room and also let other people know and see, like, man, if they just had this I, and I could be that guy that goes in and mm-hmm. is that that they need to be even better, go to that next level. Um, but yeah, like. I want these guys to go to to have a certain feel about themselves. Be over five hundred, and like, look, we're still gonna laugh when they show the postseason race graphics, right? And we're seven and six, and everybody else who's a division leader has like three or four losses. But still, it, it'll look better than being like, oh yeah, we're seven and six. Excuse me, we're six and seven, but we're first in the division, you know? Um, yeah. Because like I was I was watching the Sunday night game with my girlfriend, and you know she's a big Niners fan. Um, and so we were literally just talking about the, the postseason, and I'm like, yeah, we're winning our division right now. And so literally <laughs> as soon as I said that, um, that's when they put on the graphic and I'm just, I'm just going like, yeah, one of these things is not like the other yeah. first place, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, she got like a good laugh out of it. So uh, like I said, again, it's, you know, obviously we're in first place, which is, which is good enough. Right. But you feel even better about yourselves with a winning record. Yeah, you do. And, you know, they they have a great chance to do it. And I, I do want to yes. give a shout out once again to the defense. Seventh in scoring now, 10th in yardage allowed. And the the two important ones that I, people don't often reference, third downs, second. Yes. They allow only yes. 33%. Red zone, number one, allowing only mm. 37% of touchdowns in the red zone. So uh, that carries in the play- playoffs, y'all. I'm just saying that carries. Th- those are the two that really matter, and 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 you know, I mean, all obviously all four matter. You know, total yards and scoring of course, matter a yeah. lot, obviously. But you know, the the third downs in the red zone, those are markers of a very good defense. Whether the yardage and the scoring, you know, those can depend on opponent a lot. But typically, if you're good on third down and good in the red zone, it means you're a good defense. The Falcons are elite mm-hmm. in those key areas. Um, so, you know, the the defense had their little slump on that three game losing streak and and outside of those three games really the most the most points they've allowed outside of that three game losing streak is 24 and they've done it twice and everything else has been you know most of the other games have been in the teens so um this defense is capable of doing it we're going to need the defense to kind of carry this team uh the rest of the way certainly you know maybe and again this isn't a murderer's row the rest of the way right you know the the colts are probably the the best team you play without Uh, a doubt so, you know, you, you go up against the Bucs, who have been very vulnerable. You go up against the Panthers. We know what the Panthers are. Uh, you go you go to Chicago, which theoretically this team should be able to to play a cold-weather game with the way they're constructed. But knowing, you know, Agreed. how they've done this in the past, they're probably going to go out throwing. Um, so, <laughs> And the Bears well, actually again, have a really thing, good run defense. So that that is a well, thing. Well, and of course, the big problem with that game, again, is you have a mobile quarterback. So we got to see yeah, how they do containing, yeah. right? That That's going to yeah. be the big question there. Mm-hmm. So... You know, the Bears are 27th uh, in terms of total defense, but they're first in rushing yards allowed. Uh, so, you know, maybe they really should air, air it out in that game. That actually might make, make sense for them to actually do it there. Uh, but, 
you know, we'll see if the weather cooperates for that one. But I was um, just about to say, I'm yeah. sure New Year's Eve in Chicago is just going to be a lovely time to throw football. Well, it's it's an El Nino year, Jordan, so it could be warm. Oh, geez. <laughs> I'm not counting on it. Yeah, yeah, but probably not, knowing our luck. But maybe they'll make it work either way. Uh, but, guys, thank you for, for tuning in to Falcons Trench Talk today here on the Dirty Words of Brews podcast. Before we sign off, I want to thank my co-host Jordan Watkins at Big 75 Fella. Jordan, host of the Falcons Fade podcast. Anything else you're working on you want to let the people know about? Oh, uh, no, you know, for the most part, that that's it. Like I said, again, y'all, let's let's hopefully see this team get over 500 and then we can stay there. That would be lovely because it, it sets up that way. Right. You know, you, you get through Tampa this week, then you get Carolina and that should be a two game over 500 cushion going into what's going to yeah. be a big matchup against mm-hmm. Indy. Um, so it, it shapes up to where, again, we I would hope that in two weeks we're talking about this team being eight and six maybe a double digit win team potentially, which again, that's where we had them. You know, I, I think you did too uh, before the year started, right? I said, we're going to be anywhere between 10 and seven, 11 and six. That's, that's really what I thought based on what the team could be. And also what the schedule, you know, was shaping out. Now, obviously the the path that we're taking to get there is not the path that I expected. Um, but it is, it is in all honesty, a possibility. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Yep. So we'll, we'll see, you know, this team, if they win these next two division games, it's, it's set, it's set up very nicely because at that point, you know, New Orleans doesn't, New Orleans also plays a similarly easy schedule over the remaining games, but, um, New Orleans basically has to win out. The Falcons win the next two games. Uh, because if they if the Falcons go into New Orleans a game ahead, the Saints are are out. The Falcons will have clinched at that point. So yeah, um, and and that's the thing. Like, look, I'm never gonna say a Saints game doesn't matter because it's no, I no. always want to beat yeah. them. But it would be one of those situations where it's just like, <laughs> all right, let's just say we lose that game. <laughs> Congrats, yeah. you beat us. All right, let me know who you're playing next week. Oh wait, right. Oh, oh wait, you're bad. not. Oh, I forgot. Wow. Yeah. No, it would be nice if they go into that game not needing a win. But, you know, exactly. going into New Orleans needing a win is, is dicey because the Saints are a different team at home. They always are. Oh, um, yeah. That place gets jumping. And it's, yeah. they really get jumping when, when we come to town. Yeah. So it would be it would be best if they didn't have to win that game. But yeah. more than likely, they're going to have to win that game. So we'll, we'll see we'll see how it shakes out. But, uh, Jordan, thanks again, guys. I'm Kevin Knight of Falcoholic. Kevin, you can follow me there. Please like, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, leave that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. really helps us out. If you're interested in supporting the show, you can check out the channel memberships on YouTube. Welcome to, to our first uh, five or six members there. If you're more of a podcast listener, check out the Patreons, patreon.com slash Live. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into the Dirty Birds of Brews podcast. We will be back on Wednesday night, 8 p.m. for Falcoholic Live. Until then, have a great night, folks. This show was, of course, brought to you by Bet Online. So until then, have a great week, folks. We'll see you on Wednesday. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.